Hey, thanks for tuning in into the City Life Church podcast. We are a church in San Francisco and we exist so that people that are far from God will encounter His presence and experience the life that only Christ offers. We pray that this word will challenge you and encourage you in your walk of faith with Jesus. So we've been in this series called Blessed to Bless and um, I'm going to share a couple of thoughts today. I want to invite you to grab some of your like... Um, nerdy glasses like mine, um, because we're going to study the scriptures for a few moments. And I'm going to bring you into a passage that uh, maybe, maybe you've started, like whenever we start like uh, the New Year's, there's a lot of us that do the New Year's resolutions, and we, we are determined to read the Bible, right? So we'll start the few, first few chapters, and I'm sure many of us have read this chapter already. Chances are by like latter part of Genesis, we start falling off track, and then like, oh, just wait till next year to start. Don't stop, keep pressing in. But this passage right here is found in Genesis chapter four, and there's only seven verses, but I wanna unpack them today in the context of why God wants to bless us, and his desire to use us to be a blessing to others, and he wants to bless us, but there are things in our lives that get in the way. So I'm gonna uh, unpack that with you. Are you with me so far? Again, to all of our online viewers, Jen, thank you for being with us today. And uh, Jamie in Ireland, we love you, one of our online hosts today. Appreciate you guys. Preach with me. Throw those little emojis, fire emojis, and everything else on the screen. Genesis 4, verse 1, it says this. Now Adam, and, uh, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife. Well, there it is. They had sex, and we talked about sex in church, about that. And she became pregnant when, when she gave birth to Cain. She said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some, someone say some. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Just notice that principle. He presented some as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion. Someone say best. best. The best portions of the firstborn lambs. Ooh, some lamb chops right here. <laughs> From his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and, and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. These seven verses right here, there's so much to unpack. There's depth here. This is the tip of a, an, an iceberg. There's so much depth to it all, and I'm going to just grab a few little things. But let me pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us right now. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this moment. I thank you for your word that is already anointed. Pray that you would anoint me to, to communicate and articulate what needs to be expressed and said today. More than information, God, let there be impartation into our hearts. Let there be transformation in our minds. God, I pray that you'd give us the mind of Christ. Holy Spirit, we open this, this time in our hearts to you. Come and have your way in the name of Jesus. If you were to continue to read this chapter... You would actually read moments later that this was the first murder in Scripture. The first death of a human being is recorded right here. And it's directly connected to worship. It's directly connected. There's a battle for your worship. There's a battle for your heart. And when we offer God worship that is not God-like, that is not Christ-like, that is not consistent with his heart and nature, something begins to happen on the inside. And it says that, that Cain, he became angry, angry with God, angry with his brother. 
anger and then jealousy teamed up together and it led, led to rage and pretty soon he would kill his only brother. It's crazy how when we're out of line and when we're out of place in life and with God, we begin to think differently and act differently and things begin to spaz out. But I want to talk in this context of worshiping God and what it means to live a life that is in alignment with the heart of God. Because the blessings of God, God has prepared blessings for all of us, but they come when we're in alignment with his will. When we step away from his will, we step away from the things that he's purposed for our lives. And then as Pastor Keyes was exhorting, when you take things into your own hands, it's as though you've taken them from God's hands. And then the, heavy, the, 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 the weight becomes heavy and difficult. But these are some observations that I gleaned from this passage very quickly. There are only four human beings at this point. Adam and Eve, the first ones. And then all of a sudden, God blessed Eve with these two boys. So there's four of them. Their family has just doubled in size. Before there were eight billion people, there, there were four. And then one killed his brother. The name Cain, defined, it means acquired. And he was a farmer, and he, he grew produce. Everything was organic. Come on, somebody. And he had grain. He had seed. He had vegetation, the veggies, romaine lettuce. You name it. He had it all, and, and that's what he did. That was his passion. Abel, by definition, his name meant breath. Or, or knew a breath, wind, air. And he was a shepherd who raised sheep. During the harvest time, this passage says right here, when the abundance of crops became real and evident, it says that Cain brought some of his crops as a gift to God. And I want you to just picture just a landscape of green vegetation everywhere. And you see just these wonderful trees and fruits everywhere, gardens that were impeccable. Again, the curse of sin had just begun in the world, but it wasn't, it wasn't like what we deal with these days now. So you have a, a beautiful, if you will, uh, landscape of all the different colors and expressions, and it was harvest season, so all the fruit and everything is coming forth. And it says that he brought some of what was already available, and he presented that to God. Abel, on the other hand, he brought the best portions. Come on, the filet mignon of lambs, so to speak. If you're Brazilian, he brought the picanha for a special God Shuhasku. That's a whole nother conversation right there. But it says that he brought the best portions of the firstborn lambs. These weren't the defective little lambs. These weren't the lambs that were kind of like little weaklings, damaged goods, like, ah, that lamb right there, that's kind of like, mm, that, that's not going to be very flavorful. He didn't bring some of the leftovers. He actually brought the best of the best to God and offered it unto the Lord. And in that moment, it's like, wow, God was blessed. Not because God prefers meat over, over vegetables. If you're a vegetarian, vegan friendly, um, God bless you, it's all good. It's not about God liking protein over carbs or nothing like that. It's just that there was a heart attached to all of that that God was pleased with, and there was a heart that God wasn't pleased with. It says that God accepted Abel's gift Another version says that he respected him because of that gift, but he rejected Cain's gift. Nowhere prior to this passage do we find God giving them instructions on worship. If you actually were to look at the first three chapters of Genesis, there's, no, there's actually no example of sacrifices given to God at all. The only thing that we would find is because of Adam and Eve's sin, God had to take an animal, sacrifice it, take its, 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 its covering, so to speak, the coating, and he, he, he carved out the first garment of Gucci or Versace for Adam and Eve and covered them out of, from their shame and guilt and nakedness. That was the first tangible time where they actually saw something die. Prior to that, they hadn't seen death. 
with their own eyes, they witnessed an animal, an innocent animal dying. And God was using that as a symbol of what he would have to do when he would send Jesus to die for all of us. The reality of something that was alive and well, all of a sudden dying because of their sins. It was a prototype or a shadow of Jesus dying for all of us. But there's no instruction in scripture of offering God sacrifices. So how the heck or why the heck do they offer God sacrifices? What instinctively told them that you should go and bring some, some of your grains, some of your produce, some of your tomatoes, some of your whatever, and bring it and offer it to God? The Bible doesn't say that God required that from them, but somehow, some way, these two, during this particular moment, they bring these offerings to God, and one pleased God, and the other one didn't please God. Why did that happen? Now, different scholars would speculate, and my personal uh, thinking would be this. It's, there's a high probability that Adam and Eve share with their boys when they were mature enough, like, hey, this is, mom and dad screwed up. Parents, have you ever had one of those conversations? Listen, guys, we got we to gotta chat. Mom and dad screwed up. Mom screwed up. Dad screwed up. And, uh, and we have those, those real talk conversations with our family members, right? And I, I, I would think that likely they explained what had gone down, and they explained, but then God, in his mercy, he came, and we saw this precious animal be slain, and he covered us. And, and through that, it's possible that they realized that, wow, they need covering. And instinctively, because of a need, all of us were created to be covered, by the way. Because all of us were created and birthed with sin within our system. Therefore, we all need, the word is atonement. It means to cover. It's possible that they felt inclined that, you know what, we, we need to do something to, to receive this covering that mom and dad were talking about. That's, that's very possible. The Bible doesn't record that God told them to do it, but instinctively they were offering God these, these offerings. Like, what is God going to do with your romaine lettuce? He ain't going to make no Caesar salad. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what is God going to do with that? But it was an act of surrender to God. And, and they, they were presenting, but one honored God and one did not. So here's a couple questions. What motivated Cain and Abel to bring these gifts to God? Was it an internal need for, an ato for atonement? Or was it something that just become a regular practice? Maybe because of like just gratitude. God, you're amazing. We love life. And therefore, we want to offer you something that, that is a blessing to you. The Bible doesn't specify. Another question would be, why would God accept one offering but not the other? Why? Now, I think if you've just been listening for a few moments, you would put two and two together. The reason that one offering was acceptable and the other one wasn't had everything to do with the heart and the motives behind the gift. See, we can give things to people with the wrong heart. We can give things to God with the wrong heart and it doesn't please him. But God, you don't understand. I did all these different things. But if your heart is wrong in the wrong place... It will honor him. So the issue wasn't the quality or quantity of the actual gifts. It was all about the heart behind the gifts. It's all about the heart. All about the heart. Someone say, it's all about the heart. So let's explore the tale of two hearts, two different motives. And as I navigate through the next few moments with you, I love to challenge you to listen closely and consider where am I gravitating towards? This heart or that heart? Now, all of us hopefully would want to gravitate towards Abel's heart because he had a good heart and he was respected and admired by God. But if I can be brutally honest, many times, myself included, we gravitate towards Cain's heart. Left unchecked, our heart has a tendency to gravitate towards things that are self-centered, self-focused. And unless it's fully surrendered to God, we gravitate towards that. 
But praise God that in Christ, he comes and brings a transformation of our minds and our thinking. Amen, someone? Again, I see a bunch of little hearts floating online. Let me know that you're preaching with me. Come on, Hank. Appreciate you preaching. Pastor Lamia throwing some fire emojis on the screens right now. Fuego in the building. All right, Cain's heart. Let's explore Cain's heart a little bit. Let's, let's look at the dude who was a loser. <laughs> um, <laughs> and let's learn from his, his example what not to do and how to be like that. Um, first thought would be this. His life was out of whack. It was out of order. Because it says that he, he didn't do what was right. God says, if you will offer the offering the right way, you will be right with me. But he was offering a sacrifice to God, and it's recorded as the firstborn. He was the oldest of the two. It's like it's recorded that he brought it first, but God wasn't pleased. Why would that be? He gave, let me say this, he gave what was convenient, and he only brought some of the harvest. That's what I call tipping God. God doesn't deserve your tip. He's not looking for your tip. He doesn't look for, for like little pocket change, little expressions of love. He's wanting your heart. God doesn't tip you. He doesn't tip us. He lavishes us with his love and with his blessings. So who are we to like try to appease God with a little tip of like, okay, God, here's, take this. I hope you like it. That's not how we get down. That's not the kind of worship that God is deserving of. And I want you to visualize this. And this is why I think it, it really like drives this point home. If you look at perhaps a couple acres of produce planted in trees and fruits and all these different things, how much could this man bring to God that would be quote unquote pleasing unto God that would truly be a sacrifice? In my mind, the way I visualize it is he probably had a few baskets that he loaded up and he was carrying it maybe with a little pole or something. And he brings these baskets filled with grain and vegetables and fruit and he builds an altar unto God. And all of a sudden there it is. Here is some of his crop, but you look out and as far as the eyes could see, likely there was harvest everywhere. So you know how much work that was? Do you know how much pain was in that sacrifice? Almost nothing. It wouldn't be considered a tithe because, well, he had way more than just that. So it was a convenient little token towards God, but it wasn't truly a sacrifice to God. He gave what was convenient, what was comfortable. And I preached to you last week about generosity. Generosity is seldom convenient. It's a choice. If we wait to be generous, like, man, should I help this person? Should I bless that? If we wait for those moments, we're not going to get there. We have to choose ahead of time. I'm not going to be stingy. The world of the generous grows bigger and bigger. The world of the stingy gets tighter and tighter, smaller and smaller. He seemed to, uh, at least when I read these verses, he seemed to be going through the, the motions, what I would call checking off your church box. <laughs> He's doing the religious thing, checking off, well, I guess this is what I got to do, and hopefully it, 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 it appeases a God who is probably mad at me. Listen, God doesn't need you to check off some little religious box. If you came to church today just so that you can buy yourself a little more time, you're missing the whole point. This is about a relationship with a God who loves you who cares about you, who knows the good, the bad, the ugly. He knows everything about you. And he's the one that draws us to him. He doesn't need these little religious activities from us. In my opinion, he gave with minimal pain, very little preparation and almost no work. It's just like, oh, let's just grab a few little things and fill the baskets and bring it over. If they had Uber, uh, Uber Eats back in the day or DoorDash, you probably would have ordered Instacart to bring the offering to God. You feel what I'm saying? It was just very convenient. 
He didn't really need to use any faith because he had plenty left over. See, when there's an abundance and you just give God a little something, there's no faith connected to that. It's easy. It's like, eh, whatever. There's more in that portfolio where that came from. Abel, on the other hand, this is a guy that we want to learn from. Are you still with me so far? I'm setting this up because I want to impart something into you and stretch us just a little bit. Abel's heart, on the other hand, was totally different. His life would indicate that he was a man that was living in alignment with the heart of God. His life was in order. The reason that so many people struggle in life, whether it's relationships or health or finances, many times has to do with their alignment, their connection to God. Their life is out of order. Why? Because they're doing things their own way. God is not the driver of their lives. He might be a passenger, but he ain't the driver. Well, your life is out of order. Just having him in the car is not good enough. He's the one that has to call the shots. He's the one that has to be in control. Oftentimes, we, I think we cry out to God because we need him to help us through a little rough patch, but then we like grab the wheel against it. Okay, God, God are from here. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks for making room for me in heaven. And I hope my, my heavenly mansion is amazing, God. And we kind of like, we treat him like, a, like the genie in the genie bottle. When we're in trouble, we hit the help button. God, please. But that's not the kind of life that God created you and I to live. We're called to be in alignment with his heart. It looks like Abel was a man who was submitted to the lordship of God, and he was submitted because his life was in alignment. There was blessings there, and God, God, God respected and admired his gift. He gave what was costly to him. Let me expound on that. As a shepherd, as a rancher, so to speak, and I studied this out just a little bit, the firstborn lamb was always the strongest, the strongest of all the little lambs that that mother would, would birth. The first one, the first one out of the womb was the strongest. Therefore, he is your seed, if you will, for future generations of blessings. Because of the strongest lamb, he is going to produce more seed that will multiply, and the, his offspring will be the healthiest and the, the most durable. And so you, when you think about this, it says that, that Abel brought the best portions of the best lambs, not one lamb, but multiple, how, how, however many he could bring. He brought a bunch of the, the most precious, if you will, filet mignon of lamb. I know that doesn't exist, but the best cuts of the lamb and offered it to God, not only from the sheep, but from the best sheep of the herd. He brought it from the best, which meant that he was sacrificing something that was, was going to cost him now, but it was also going to cost him in the future because these were the procreators. These were the strongest ones. But yet he was so in love with God, something motiva motivated him to say, I just can't help but want to worship God and give God my best. That he was willing to sacrifice the now and the future. And God counted that as faith and counted it as something that was godlike, that was worthy, and God loved his expression of love. He gave what was costly, the firstborn. Isn't that a picture of what God did for us? Like, Abel, I don't know if you understand this, son, but you're, you're, actually, you're actually tapping into my heart right now. By you giving the first and the best, that's my heart because you don't know. It says, Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. Jesus, our lamb, the sacrificial lamb of God. He was given to us even before the, the clock began to tick. It was already destined that God would give him the first, the only begotten. Why? Because he loved the world so much. And God sees the heart that Abel is displaying. says, man, I love that about you, son. You're getting it. You're getting my heart. He gave sacrificially, 
He gave with faith. He gave with intentionality and purpose. When we give to God and when we're used by God to be conduits of blessings to others, we should give it with intentionality. It's not by chance. It's not just a fluke. Again, and I, I praise God for technology, man. I was, I was noticing the screen today like, man, there are different ways that you can give to the house of the Lord. You can give through the giving stations. You can give through checks. You can give through stocks and crypto. Come on, somebody. Robin Hood, just whoops, send the money. Like, There's different ways that we can give. I, I love that. That's cool. My wife and I, the way that we tithe is we set it up for automatic auto, auto pay. So automatically, as soon as we get paid, boom, the first, the first portion, the first tithe already gets sent out to the house of the Lord. We tithe to our local church here. We wouldn't ask you to tithe if we ourselves didn't tithe. Our entire pastoral team, our leaders, we believe. Tithing, by the way, the blessing doesn't come from the tithing. Let me just, let me throw, this is just a freebie right now. The tithe is just obedience. That's just a recognition. God, it all belongs to you already. Therefore, here's a portion, and I'm just honoring you with that. The blessing comes from the above and beyond. Multiplication comes from the sacrifice beyond the tithe. So some of you guys are like, God, oh, I've been tithing, and I haven't seen multiplication. Maybe you haven't stepped into that realm yet. <laughs> just a little thought, a little freebie. But here's the point. If, if left to ourselves, if like, man, our bank will automatically send the, the tithe to the church. If I don't take a moment every, every, not every week necessarily, but every time to recognize God, thank you for your provision. As my wife and I, we, as we review our budget and we look at different goals that we have, God, thank you for your faithfulness. We don't want to be lazy and uh, distracted from this, this act of worship, which is to honor you with our finances. It includes time. It includes our energies and talents. But Lord, even as we give, we pray that you would be honored through this, that you'd be glorified through this. So can I encourage you with that? Whether, again, whether it's crypto or stocks, whatever the heck you in your heart, in your mind, be sure that it's, a, it's an act of worship unto God. Lord, as I'm sending this through your house, this is your people that you love. This is your house. Lord, my heart is connected. Would you multiply this seed? Will you use this, God, to impact many lives around us? I feel like I should just brag on you for a second. I had my, my, uh, my finance admin this week send me a report. I said, hey, could you send me a report for the last 12 months? What have we done for missions, both locally, Pastor Keys and the team locally, nationally and globally, what, what, what have we done for, for missions and outreach? Can I just brag on you, this last year, these last 12 months, we've given over 200,000 out of our own, everything that comes through the house, we pay our own bills, we, had, we gotta keep the lights on, lights keep going on and off in here, but that's another story. <laughs> our operations, staffing, the whole nine, our operations, kids ministry, I'm like, man, we wanna have, an, I mean, food trucks outside, we do what we do because that's our culture, that's family. But built within the culture of this house, we don't want to just be hoarders of how God has blessed us. We want to continue to dispense and with an open hand because we've been faithful. That's all of us. I think we should give ourselves a clap. Whether it's helping buying people some wheelchairs or whatever the circumstance would be, our church is a gracious and generous church. I boast in the Lord and I'm bragging on you right here. Thank you for having a big heart. Thank you for not putting God in some kind of tiny little box. And, and the whole idea is just hear what God is speaking. And by the way, if you're kind of new to this church, like, I knew it. Just like all them other churches, man. They're going to pass some offering buckets, take another. No, we're not. No offering buckets. Our, our, our culture around here is this. Whatever God speaks to people to give, they give. That, that's how we get down. So this is not a timeshare presentation. I'm just bragging on you. 
Abel, as he's honoring God because his heart was attached to it, it pleased God. It was, God was so pleased with it. Watch what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. This is all the way in the New Testament. God was so proud of uh, human being number four. Before there was four, five, six, there was human being number four. That's a squid game uh, reference right there. Someone told me, don't watch that show, Pastor John. Okay, thank you. Abel was number four. Watch what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. First part of the verse, says this. It was by faith, someone say faith. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. What is the writer saying here? That you can't please God if faith is not attached to your gift. That if you're going to honor God, there needs to be an element of faith connected. If it's just convenient and cheap, it's just a cheap gift that means nothing to you. But if faith is attached, then it pleases God. And see, God knows the heart. He knows the intent. He knows the mind of, uh, of man. He knows our heart. He knows our intentions. And if he knows that faith is not attached, it's not an offering or gift that honors him. But the writer would go on to say two verses later in verse 6, it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. You want to please God? You want to honor him? Faith needs to be attached. That's why this journey of faith and trusting God, Lord, whatever it is that you want from me, my time, my energies, my contributions, whatever it would be, God is going to be sacrificial. And, and as we exert faith, it pleases God. And that same verse goes on to say, but God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that refers to seeking him with faith. That means that there's pain in the sacrifice. If there's no pain, someone said, there is no gain. Is there pain in your offering? Is there pain in the sacrifice? When Jesus came down and he died on the cross for you and me, though he was 100% God, Paul tells us that he emptied himself of his divinity as a human being, he experienced pain, full throttle. It's not like he had this anointing on his life where it's like, oh man, I'm going to take a whooping like that. They're going to put this crown of thorns on my head. They're going to pierce my side, but it's not going to hurt me because I got the power. It's like, that's not how he did it. My puberty voice kicked in for a brief moment there. He experienced, there was legitimate pain in that sacrifice. And was driven and motivated by love. As it says in Hebrews, for the love set before him, he endured the cross. He saw you and me through the pain of the cross on the other side of that pain. He saw you, Ray. He saw you. He saw everything that we experienced. He said, it's worth it. I'll go through with this. Why? The pain is momentary. It's just for a moment. And when it comes to an act of worship unto God, it will cost us something. If it doesn't cost you something, I dare to say it's not really worship. David, when he screwed up and he realized, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble. God gave him some options. It's going, it's going to cost you. Some dude meant well and says, hey, David, why don't, why don't you take my cattle? Hey, I got a bunch. I'm, I'm wealthy. I'm affluent. I went to Johnny's Marketplace Ministry. I learned how to like work the system. <laughs> David, take my, my cattle. Offer that to God. And David says, no, I have to offer my own. I can't offer God a sacrifice that costs me nothing. If God is compelling you to, to sow, don't borrow money from somebody else. Now it's their pain and not yours. It's, it's your act of worship. You can't delegate that out to someone else. They can't worship for you. Abel, 
his offering was pleasing to God. Why? Because there was pain involved. There was sacrifice involved. There was faith involved. Cain is the picture of a greedy, lazy, and possibly fearful individual. Have you found yourself to, at times, you become a little greedy? It's like, oh, man, it's Black Friday, man. I'm going to buy the family some stuff. But I'm going to buy me some stuff, too. <laughs> and then at the end of the shopping, you've, you've, you've gone through all of the different online options. You found your stuff. It's like, well, maybe, maybe Cyber Monday I'll find some stuff for the rest of the family. <laughs> Can't believe I'm talking about Pastor David like that in public. It's terrible. Like, <laughs> Where's our heart? Cain, Abel. So Cain is this picture of a greedy, lazy, and possibly fearful individual. We're not sure. Abel is the picture of a grateful, generous, and faith-filled person. They're faithful, consistent. When they come, they come with gladness. God, you've been so good to me. I'm playing with house money. I was bankrupt in life. Because of my sins, I was, I was as good as dead. But you've given me a new opportunity to live. It all belongs to you, God. You want what? It's all yours anyways, God. So just have it all. You can have it all. We're singing the song. Can he really have it all, though? And we sing the songs on Sunday, but how about Sunday afternoon or later in the week? Can he have it all? What is our heart? What is our motive? What is our motivation? Abel's heart was, was in alignment with God's. That, therefore, it pleased God. Cain's heart was out of alignment with God, and it led him down this trail of anger, jealousy, and eventually murder. It's crazy how greed and covetousness and all these different things. Can I? Man, I'm just, like, I'm just following all kinds of little bunny trails everywhere. So many Christians get caught up on sexual sins and they talk about, oh, this type of sin and same-sex sin and that kind of sin. Oh, they talk about all these different sins. Did you know that, that there's more references to greed in the New Testament than any sexual sin? Oh, can I just go there for a minute? There's more, there's more instruction on greed and being greedy because it has everything to do with the heart than all these other things. But don't get me wrong, sin is sin. Anything that is inconsistent with the character and the nature of God is sin. It's to miss the mark. That's the definition of the word sin, to miss the mark. But man, oftentimes we put such like value on these other things when God says, but how about your heart though? How about your heart? My gosh, Pastor Gies, I feel the anointing to just keep going. Even, even the fact that I, I talked about tithing in church, some of you who come from a religious background, you got a little uneasy. You got a little uncomfortable because, oh, the preacher talked about tithing money. Money is not your problem. It's your heart that's your problem. Because God is a God of abundance. People don't like to hear tithing. Is tithing in the New Testament? Listen, the example we see, this is way before the Mosaic Law. Abel offered something to God that was pleasing, and it was costly. And it, and I, I, it just blows my mind how some Christians in their theology, they have selective moralism. They'll say, well, that's an old, tithing is an Old Testament thing. Show me in the New Testament where is murder uh, uh, referenced. And you say that murder is, is still uh, the law of God, then why is tithing not the law of God? See, PJJ, we're in the New Testament. It's a season of grace. Yeah, so why is it that, 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 that uh, adultery is still a sin? And, and, and murder is still a sin. What about tithing and stealing from the Lord? Why is that not a sin to you? 
That's, not, that's freebie right there. I don't know. Someone needs to, maybe they're not in the building. Maybe you're watching online. Listen to the words of the preacher today. <laughs> Just having family chat right here. It, it has everything to do with the heart, y'all. It's, it's about the heart. Not about quantity. It's about the heart. Where is your heart? There's more references. Jesus talked more about money than any other topic. Think about that. Treasures, finances. Out of 33 parables, 18 of them are about money. Why? Because it says wherever your treasures are, your your heart will, will be there also. God's not interested in your finances. He's interested in your heart. Where's your heart at? Ooh, that's good preaching right there. That's for another sermon series. <laughs> so here's a million dollar question for us. Who are you? Are you able or are you Cain? My nephew, he is able. Tommy, he isn't able. That's his last name. Literally, my nephew's name is Tommy Abel, <laughs> one of our bass players here. So, Tommy, love you, man. But wh who are you? Are you Cain or are you Abel? Where are you at in your journey of life right now? Where is your heart at? We're talking about thanksgiving and gratitude and thankfulness. Where is your heart? There's a heart check moment right now. Where are we at? What is God speaking to us about? Do you feel a little angry with God, a little dejected in life? Do you feel like the world owes you something? Maybe it's because your heart is not aligned with the heart of God. Here's the perfect way. Let me wrap things up. I have Ben come up to the, the keyboard. Here's the perfect way. Hebrews 11, verse 4 again, but the second part of that verse, says this. Abel's offering, it gave evidence that he was a righteous man. Righteous means to be right with God. His offering was evidence. It was the receipts. It was the proof in the pudding that he was a righteous man, that he was, he was honoring the Lord through his life choices. And it says that God showed his approval of his gifts. God was pleased with him and approved him. Why? Because he saw your heart is right. Your intentions are right. You're desiring to honor me. So here's the first thought, the proof in the pudding. A generous life is a reflection of a generous heart. If you're a generous person, that means that you have a generous heart. If you're a stingy person, well, I'm just being a good steward. No, you're not. You're stingy. <laughs> a generous life is a reflection of a faith-filled heart. Also, a generous life is a reflection of a grateful heart. If you're a generous person, which is the invitation that we're all called to be a part of, God is generous. He wants us to be generous. Is your heart generous? Is it faith-filled? Is it grateful? And then when it comes to the blessings of God, here's, here's a thought. You were blessed before your obedience, but some blessings only come when you're, when you're in obedience. So you were blessed before. Before God said, on your mark, get ready, get set, go. Before he said, go, you were already blessed. Blessings chased you down. But there are certain types of blessings that come only when you're in obedience. Kind of like my kids. I, I love my kids, every single one of them. I have loved Erica the longest because she was our firstborn. She's like, yeah. But I love them all equally. J-Dog and E-Dog, wherever y'all are at, love you all equally. They're blessed. Why? Well, for one, I don't charge them rent. When we go to Costco or wherever we shop for food or whatever, we buy food. They, they can enjoy the food. We don't charge them rent. They can eat, they can eat at the right times, prompt, proper quantities, right? So they're already blessed. Without doing their chores, they're already blessed. But then we have like this little app called Homie. What up, Homie? A little Homie app. And in the homie app, every day they have responsibilities and they have jobs. 
Now, you're blessed to live here, but, and there's blessings and rewards, but there's also responsibilities. So in that little app, it's like, man, did you make your bed today? Check. And then you got to take a picture and upload it. So mom and dad know like, oh, you made your bed. Nah, bro, you can't use that same picture. It's got to be a fresh one from today. <laughs> and then dishes, unloading dishes, loading dishes, wiping down all the countertops, sweeping, mopping, vacuuming, whatever the chores would be. There's a handful of different responsibilities and opportunities. And if they do it, there's a price. There's a little, a little something, something, a little reward for each one of those. So because they want to save some money for the holidays, because they want to buy dad and mom some cool stuff, Nike products are amazing. <laughs> They're motivated to, to be obedient and to capitalize on the opportunities. But this is what I want you to hear. They are loved whether they did it or not. But the blessings, see the love and blessings, we often equate that God, if you love me, you will bless me. That's wrong theology right there. There's nothing that you can do to earn more of God's love or nothing that you could do or not do that would earn less of God's love. His love is immeasurable. But when it comes to his blessings, when you're in obedience and when you're in alignment with his heart, there is more blessings where that came from. Are you with me? So his love is endless. His blessings, well, the key is finding, is your heart in the right place or not? Not too long ago, I, I heard of someone in our church that was, well, they were, they, were, they were wanting to make a decision that was unbiblical. Word got to me and my, my heart was grieved about it. I found myself flying. I was going to go minister somewhere. And on the plane, I said, you know what? I'm going to just jot down this, this email. So I sent the email and basically summarizing it was this, listen. I want to really highly encourage you. Don't make this call. Don't go this direction because it's not biblical. It doesn't honor God. You are willfully and purposely choosing to disobey the word of God. And this was, these, these were the statements that I put on the email. God will always love you. But the blessings that you're experiencing right now, the favor that's in your, on your life, it's because you're walking in alignment with God. But if you choose to do things your own way, like Jonah, you're going to walk away from his blessings. Please, please reconsider this. Please. But God's given us free wills, right? Some of you are here and you got scars. Maybe you're watching online right now. You know you've drifted from the things of God. The invitation is this. God won't wipe away the scars, but he'll give you a fresh start. He won't go back in time, but he'll give you a new beginning now. We come with our, our history. We come with our, our scars and bruises. But don't be stubborn and continue to drift from the things of God. Go back into that place of alignment. Sin is crouching at the door of your heart. It wants to have you. But as God said to Cain, you must master it. Realize that the enemy wants to take you out. It's all about the heart. Where are you at? Are you Cain? Are you Abel? Finally, the last thought would be this. God only blesses his own will, his plans, and his desires. So stop asking God to bless yours. <laughs> Eric, I'm just keeping it, as Pastor Keith would say, 100. Many of us, we keep asking God, we bake the loaf and we say, God, this is what I've done. Will you bless it now? Like, bruh, 
I've invited you to follow my will, not your will be done. And some of us, we keep coming to church, asking God, cutting deals with God, asking him to bless our endeavors and our desires and our ambitions. Stop! You're wasting your time. And you're, you're withdrawing the blessings of God for you because you're being stubborn that way. Just surrender is the point. Straight up, like, God, I'm going to get out of the way. I surrender all to you. You recall to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. The only way that you will truly be a blessing to others is if you're under the downspout of God's blessings. God's will means his timing, his terms, and his turf. Oftentimes we try to drag, drag God into our turf. God, by this time next year, I need to have that spouse. I'm putting a demand on it. I'm going to march around Jericho. Stop. You mean well. That ain't prophetic. It's pathetic. Don't do that. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Straight up. He'll direct your paths. Trust the Lord. <laughs> Man, I'm all excited. Man, it must be the turkey I had this week. Here's your homework for the week, our action steps for the week. Proverbs 3, 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part. Someone say best part. With the best part of everything you produce. That's way more than finances. That's everything in your life. Give them the best. Best time of the day. Best energy. Best efforts. God is not a God of leftovers. I am. Thanksgiving leftovers are the bomb. But God is not a God of leftovers. He's the God of the best. He gave the best. He is the best. He expects the best. So in this moment right here of rethinking and recalibrating our hearts and minds, God, am I giving you my best or not? Am I just giving you a token or am I honoring you with the best? Lord, whatever it is that you want in my life, I'm willing. Here I am, Lord. The action steps, number one, ask yourself, am I giving God my best? Number two, if your answer was no, then why aren't you? Why aren't you giving God your best? If he is the best, are you pulling a cane? <laughs> Number three, so what are you going to do about it then? What are you going to do about your situation? I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for us. And landing a plane, I got three minutes to be done. Hey. Thank you for being so teachable. I love our church is that you guys, you're, you're hungry for the things of God, you're teachable. The word of God is not a collection of suggestions. They're a roadmap to God's heart. We align our lives to his word. What does the Bible tell us about God? We don't change the Bible to fit us. We change us so that we can fit the Bible. There's many folks today, again, selective moralism. They try to tweak the word of God to say something that it doesn't say. That's BS right there. That, that's, that's humanism at its best. You don't change God. The word of God remains the same. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a great God. He is a good God. He is a generous God. We need to come into alignment with his heart and his will. Amen. And I'm confident of this. The Holy Spirit is much be a much better preacher than I am a much better comforter and counselor than I am. Whatever it is that he needs to speak to you, I believe that he's speaking to people's hearts and minds right now, whether in person or online. He knows how to push the right buttons in our lives. My encouragement to you is this. Listen, 
What is God speaking to you about right now? What is he challenging you about right now in this season? Is your life reflecting his heart? Are you like Abel who was just willing to like, Lord, you can have it all, whatever it is. My life, it belongs to you. Are you wanting to be a blessing in other people's lives and come into alignment with the heart of the Father? Amen. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, I thank you for your steadfast love towards us. You're such a gracious God, such a generous God, such a good God. You're patient with us. Lord, I screw up all the time. We make mistakes all the time. Yet in your mercy, you continue to find us and you come to pick us up. God, we want to learn from these examples from both Cain and Abel. We want to be like Abel. We want to be uh, those who would have a heart that is in alignment with God's heart. Those who, who, are, who are generous because of gratitude in our hearts. We want to live a faith-filled life, God. And Lord, if there are areas in our lives, and sometimes we gravitate there, God, if there are areas that are just not pleasing to you, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to respond, that we would repent, that we would turn away from those, that we would be fully su surrendered to you. God, I pray a blessing over each one here today. I thank you that you are the lifter of our head. You are for us, not against us. I speak a blessing over your people, both those watching online and in person. Continue that work that you've begun in our lives. In the mighty and in the powerful name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Let me invite Pastor Elena to wrap things up. If you're online, God bless you. We'll see you next time.